You're now tuning into the Barely Hibernating Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network, featuring Bear Report's own Usaid Kosho and fan-sided Sam Stevenson and AJ Desai. Here are your hosts. We heard from Ryan Pace this week. We heard from Matt Nagy. All right. They didn't say much anyway. So there were two more uneventful press conferences. That's become the theme of the Bears season. What else has, or the Bears offseason, I should say. But what else has become the theme of the Bears offseason, ladies and gentlemen, is this podcast. All right. You know us. Welcome into the Barely Hibernating Podcast. For the last 15 episodes, I've been your host, Usaid Kolsch. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Usaid Kolsch. As always, I got my brown boy in the house today, AJ Desai. The brown boys of the Bears podcast game are taking this thing over. All right, you can follow him on Twitter at AJ Desai4. Check out Fantasy Oddcasts as well as other podcasts for all the betting stuff. Our third, Sam Stevenson, is at lacrosse practice. Listen, everyone's busy. Everyone's got their own shit going on, okay? But to compensate for Sam, we've got quarterbacks guru in the house, all right? He's a godfather from the city of brotherly love because he does show us brotherly love, but he's coming to you live from Massachusetts. You can follow him on Twitter at LBerry underscore 40. Luke and AJ, what is going on, guys? Thanks so much, man. How's it going? Thanks for having me, guys. Not much. All right. I want to thank all everyone. First things first, guys. I want to thank all you guys for your support. All right. Between January and February, we did 200 something downloads, right? So really, guys, the podcast continues to take off. I mean, join us every Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Central time or around 8 p.m. Central. We go live. All right. If you listen to our, you know, recorded versions, those drop on Apple Pods, Google, Spotify every Wednesday morning. All right. At like seven or eight in the morning. Honestly, it just depends on when I decide decided to tweet it out but guys let's get right into it right pace and Nagy had their you know quote-unquote pre-combine press conferences today listen i'll be real they didn't say much and this has become the theme of the matt Nagy ryan pace press conferences over the last few years is they just don't say much you know and sitting in the zoom pressers right it was kind of interesting to get their perspective on stuff obviously you know everything's on the table regarding quarterbacks they want to bring alan robinson back which if you think of it they would be stupid to let him go anyway but Luke I will start with you on this one what were your initial impressions of the pace presser typical of the the usual pace presser I mean uh, I mean I think this year more than ever this guy's not going to disclose any information and I think we as Bears fans want him to uh, but that would not be smart for him as a professional so I don't blame him Um, it's frustrating I mean we just have to wait to see how things shake out. I mean, he's not going to give you his hand, especially when his job's on the line. Uh, we all know this guy's searching for a quarterback. And uh, mm-hmm. no, before people ask, I don't think the Bears are going to bring Mitch back. Yeah, I mean, I thought something's that were just like, just ordinary for Ryan Pace. I mean, of course, I got a little Madison to tweet out this saying that he doesn't have a plan for Allen Robinson. I mean, of course, I guess like, you know, these these GMs or owners or whatever it is that speak uh, at these press conferences, you say, I mean, they're not going to really say anything. It's just like, you know, if I give you shit, then I'm going to give you shit back, basically. So it's not going to be anything informative. So, I mean, I was I was like, you know, a little bit worried, but I mean, I'll just wait and see what happens in, in free agency and all that stuff. So, I mean, the, 
suppressors, obviously, because I get the transcribe quotes in my inbox and I have those pulled up right now. They're yeah. definitely interesting, right? And I think like just when you look at it, I mean, I know everyone was joking about 50 to 60 days ago about, oh, collaboration, this collaboration, that, you know, one of the things that stuck out to me for this presser is just knowing that Pace knows, Pace and Nagy, I should elaborate, they know this is kind of their last chance to get it right because Pace said he's like, listen, the window to improve our team is definitely there. It all started with the coaching staff and then it trickles down. And then you do look at some of the young pieces that the Bears have on the roster, like Montgomery Mooney. I thought Cole Komet, who played 56% of his snaps during his rookie season, he really burst onto the scene late last year. So I think overall, looking at some of Pace's comments, people are going to be pissed off because again, it's Ryan Pace, but like some of the stuff that he says, there is truth to it, right? What's going on, Juan? Chime in in the chat, guys. You know, Bears Fanatico 94, huge shout out to him. But my point is this, right? Is the fact that Chicago's and Pace is not wrong with this. The Bears don't have an overly terrible roster. I think that they just have to kind of retool this offseason before they're in contention, you know, and I think that we'll get into the quarterbacks later on in the show. But like for me, right, Pace is not wrong in saying Chicago's roster has a pretty solid foundation. There's some young emerging pieces that I think can break out next year, but it's just going to be a matter of can the coaching staff develop these guys? Yeah, and I mean, I think if you listen closely too, you know, they drop some nuggets here and there that are little tidbits that if you're not really paying attention to, you might not understand. But, um, you know, from what I took from pace it sounds like al robinson is not leaving like he will he will tag him he will do whatever to keep that guy in chicago this year um and then also now he kind of dropped what he looks for in qb which we can talk about later um you know might might draft some nuggets for the draft there about a certain qb who fulfills those traits i mean another thing that really stuck out to me was pace was asked about Khalil Mack and stuff and not necessarily the fact that Khalil Mack's not having surgery but what was really interesting to me was Pace was like hey listen you have relationships with guys throughout the league like Reggie McKenzie and John Gruden and as a result of those special relationships that you've gone ahead and you've formed you're able to facilitate certain trades. And there's a certain guy in Houston by the name of Nick Kaiserio who was with the New England Patriots when the Bears traded a couple players there. And this was, I think, the first two to three seasons of the Ryan Pace tenure. So like 2015, 16, 17. I think that that relationship, right, is kind of going to be key as the Bears potentially look into making a serious play for a guy like Deshaun Watson, right? Or even for a guy like Russell Wilson. Um, and also another thing that stuck out to me was like Pace, someone asked about the social media. And let's talk about the social media and all the players' chatters. I mean, listen, we know that Eddie Jackson, Tariq Cohen, Cordero Patterson, you know, these guys recruit players on social media. But the reality of the situation is that Bears fans are going to be like, oh, that's something super special. And Pace was like, look, it's not anything special because like every team and every GM around the league is doing this type of stuff. So, I mean, the tidbit that Pace dropped about the social media stuff, it's like he's not wrong. You know, it's like every player is going to go ahead and recruit players on social media. And I think for the Bears fan base, and AJ, I'll go to you after this on this topic, but it's just like kind of blown out of proportion because it's just like we see, you know, like some player like David Montgomery posting a picture with like whatever Saquon Barkley, not that that's ever happened. And all of a sudden Bears fans are like, oh my God, you know, David Montgomery's like recruiting so-and-so to the Bears. And it's just like, yo, stop it. Players get together in the off season 
for workouts and things of that nature. You know, these guys, yeah, they're all on different teams, but they're still like all colleagues at the end of the day. And they're just going to like chill and get together because so-and-so is from like the same city, the same state, et cetera. But AJ, what do you think? Um, I mean, when it comes to like, you know, tagging Allen Robinson or extending him into a contract, I mean, you just have to do it. I mean, he's our offense. I don't think a guy like Darnell Mooney is going to be that one if Allen Robinson leaves. I mean, obviously, you got a lot of teams that have cap space that we don't. I mean, I've been looking at the New York Jets situation where they could, and just like this morning, I was like spitballing to myself that like they could have Deshaun Watson and Allen Robinson on that team. So, I mean, like you know, from from that body language that Pace had, I would say that like his his um his um number one priority is to lock up Allen Robinson. I mean, like, if it's not, then at least give him a tag so you can work on a deal after free agency in the draft, like sort of what um, Dallas did with um, Ezekiel Elliott when he ran off to Cabo and he came back with a extension in his hands. So, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of ways that we can do this. I mean, like, I was kind of frustrated that he wouldn't give a clear answer about Allen Robinson after it's been over a year since, like, He's been looking for an extension and haven't paid him yet. But, I mean, it is what it is. But now we're just going to have to expect that um, that extension in this, this March and April before the draft. Now, that, brings up, that brings up an inc- interesting point that I think. Like, do you guys think it's possible they could possibly tag Allen Robinson and use him in a bigger deal for a star QB like Deshaun Watson? I mean, it sounds kind of productive to kind of trade your best weapon for a QB, but mm-hmm. – um, in theory, you know, you're not you're giving up one less pick, and if you're not going to pay Robinson because you need cap space or whatever, and you can use him to give up less draft capital, do you do it? Yeah, you do it, and 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 here's why: because if you're the Bears, right, you have to understand something is that you've been in quarterback poverty since basically said Luckman, right? And, you know, Jim McMahon, because I was watching the 30 for 30 Bears the other day, just because I'm using some of that for psychology class, one of the classes that I teach, the reality of the situation is that Jim McMahon for his time was not like an overly terrible quarterback, right? And that's at the time when, you know, the league was not so quarterback-centric, right? The way it is today. So, yeah, you do make that move. And you make that move because the reality of the situation is that you tag and trade Allen Robinson simply because here's the deal. I get Robinson's been super consistent. I've been on track of saying you should not let him go. But if it means landing a Russell Wilson or a Deshaun Watson, you do it. And here's why. Because Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson are top three quarterbacks in my eyes in this league. And ultimately, at the end of the day, Russell Wilson can get it done if Darnell Mooney's his number one wide receiver. Russell Wilson's going to get it done if he has a solid dual threat running back in David Montgomery. Russ is going to get it done with a guy like Coke Met. Russ and Deshaun Watson are going to make your weapons better. That's just the reality of the situation. Russ is going to be able to hit Anthony Miller, who I still have high hopes for, by the way, even though I have, you know, certain lower expectations. Anthony Miller's got to get his head on straight. But yeah, you do make that move at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, I agree with you. If there is not a long-term deal in place and we just tag him and we use him as like trade bait, I don't like using the word trade bait. I mean, I love Allen Robinson. But, I mean, I just think that this fan base gets too attached to these players I mean, and got, stuff. 
you just got to look at what the Vikings did. I mean, you know, yeah. Stefan Diggs wanted out. They couldn't pay him. You know, fair yeah. deal. They, they, get, they get a haul for him. He goes to Buffalo. He does really well. The Vikings draft a great wide receiver. It worked for both teams. I mean, you're not – you got to hit on the pick that you get back, but if it comes down to that, you got to at least get some for him. But I, I do yeah. think – Robinson is in the Bears' long-term plan. But, but look, but look before, but, but, but before we go to USAID here, what do you think is the package you're looking for for Allen Robinson? If we do tra- uh, t- tag him, what's the trade package you're looking for? I mean, most people probably would say you wouldn't get a first form, but I mean, I, I think you got to look for what Stephon Diggs got. I think he's yeah. on that level of wide receiver as Diggs. He may not be as flashy because I don't think he's very yeah. like explosive, but – just he's from more, how productive correct. he is and how reliable and kind of he's not really a distraction at all for as much as we might want to say he 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 does you know you treat him right and he'll do his business so you got to try and get a first round pick if that's the case and and let me ask you guys this you say it and I'll let you go one more time is that would you mortgage your future for a quarterback that's Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson it doesn't matter if it's picks or it doesn't matter if it's like tag and trade deals but is it something that you guys would do? You said I go with you first. What do you think? Yeah, I I'm trading and mortgaging the future for Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, and here's why: because the Bears are in win now mode, right? Now there was a certain NFC team last year by the name of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that had a really solid roster, but what was the issue? They had an erratic quarterback in Jameis Winston, all right, who went 30 for 30 in 2019 with 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. And all of a sudden, what happened? I understand they got the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady. And for those of you, just a little side note, Patrick Mahomes is never going to be Tom Brady. Let's get that out of the way, okay? He's never going to be as great as Brady. Brady's the GOAT, okay? But my point is this, is that the Bucks they got the most important position in sports right with a future hall of fame quarterback and they already had a solid roster in place yeah. chicago you are in the same boat here all right if you're gonna get this position right and russ is only 32 okay he can play if you give him a solid offensive line he's gonna play well into his early 40s all right i promise you that right now you make that move and you make that move because at the end of the day you know you only have four more years of khalil mack left right and this trade this offseason does not just have to be about getting Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson. It's got to be about capitalizing in on the Khalil Mack era as well. Because just three years ago, he you paid you know you paid him one hundred forty one million dollars over six years, and also you gave up two first round picks for him. And AJ, you and I have long said this that the Khalil Mack era is not going to matter here in Chicago unless you win a Super Bowl. Yep. And you gotta you have an opportunity to get a quarterback this offseason, so you need to make it happen. I mean, like, uh, I'll let you go here in a second, Luke. I mean, like, uh, I mean, I would definitely be okay with mortgaging my future if it's three first-round picks. I mean, I don't care if we suck, but we got the quarterback that can take us there. I mean, if you if you have Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, I mean, like, and you go all in and you didn't hit on this year in 2021, you have a chance to go into 2022 with a less cap issue in 2023. Because if you look at our salary table cap, the Bears are not really deeply invested in a long-term situation. Like they can reset in 2023 with like millions of dollars in cap space with a, that quarterback that they traded for, who could be a Russell Wilson or, or who could. Like I'm still holding out hope for it, and it's probably not going to happen to Sean Watson. Um, but like Luke, what do you like? Are you okay with parting the future? Like uh, three, three or four unknown first-round picks for a guy like Russell Wilson? I mean, I. Or, 
Watson? I, I would say absolutely just because I think the quarterback is is probably the most Very important. important. It's the most important position in sports. Yeah. Um, but my – I did see an interesting kind of counter take on this on Twitter, and um, someone had mentioned that, like, if the Bucks had gotten Brady this year, say they say they had to trade for him and they had to give up two to three first-round picks, right? Um, you know, and, and that cost them Devin White. It cost them, you know, Sean Murphy bunting. And it cost them Antoine Winfield and Tristan Wirfs, who, who stepped in immediately and made impact on the Bucks this year, right? If you don't have those picks, do they win the Super Bowl? I don't know. Honestly, I, I don't know the answer to that, but it's a great point. I mean, without those picks, like those, the Bucks. I mean, the the drafting they've had the past few years has just been incredible, and they like they've hit on all their top picks. But like, without those top picks, do they win the Super Bowl? I don't know. They literally drafted a, a tackle this year who started for them and was one of the best in the league. Like. It's unheard of. Yeah, wow. what I'll say is this. So regarding the Bucks, I mean, with Bruce Arians, they built a phenomenal roster, and it's really a credit to Jason Lynch, too, the general manager. But I really think overall what it comes down to at the end of the day is we also have to keep in mind is it's just like some of the core pieces, right? So like the Bears have three more years of Komet. They have three more years of Darnell Mooney. They have two more years left of David Montgomery after this year. Um, Cody White here is under contract till 2024, right? And then you look at on the defensive side of the ball, I believe it. Khalil Mack, I've mentioned, is under contract till 2024. Same with Eddie Jackson. Kyle Fuller, I think, has a void on his contract. That kicks in February 15th, 2022. The point is, is that Chicago has a lot of its core in place, right? And I think that when you're just looking at the handful of players that I've mentioned and rattled off, like, let's be honest about something. As long as they figure out the QB position, and you know what? Even if it means giving up, your next three first round picks, they will ultimately get it right. And kind of looking at the naggy presser, right? I think like another big thing that stuck out to me here was just the fact that he had a lot of praise for Sean Desai, right? The defensive coordinator. And I think when I look at that, right, it's you rarely hear first year defensive coordinators that are garnering this much praise this quickly, when I look at Desai, right, we knew his press conference has been the best Bears press conference all offseason. All right, I have no idea why certain people went into today's presser thinking that they were going to get anything out of Pace and Nagy. But overall, when I look at it, right, like I'm really excited for the Sean Desai era to kick off here in Chicago. AJ, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, to me, it's just like a no brainer. Like you, you have to put yourself in a position to get these guys. I mean, to me, it's just, I mean, like I've been a Bears fan for a really long time. This stuff is getting really stressful and like, I just don't know how to like interpret it anymore. Like, I mean, you said to answer your question, I hope, I hope we get it. Cause like, you know, to me, like if you don't like, like, I think we got a comment here from uh, Dan here. I mean, um, so without a lack of um, O-line with the great QB, they're going to be running for their lives. And, I mean, like, guys like Deshaun Watson, guys like Russell Wilson. a lot like Seattle. Huh? I said it already sounds a lot like Seattle. They're in a play. Yeah, exactly. It already sounds like a lot like Seattle. So, he's going to be running for his life. Deshaun Watson, as soon as he gets, like, pressure in his face, he's going to run right or left. I mean, these guys, like, they can they have, the, they have a way to – evaporate the rush well not evaporate escape the rush and it's it's incredible and i just don't know if the bears can get it done for one of these guys i think they're just going to be like okay the, the asking price is way too much for what we want to give up 
and they'll just go to the draft. And again, Dan, like I, I, I don't disagree with you exactly. So why would they want to come here? And you know, we, we don't, we don't have, we don't have like the, like a, like a better offensive line that Seattle does, you know, it's basically the same thing, you know, Charles Leno. For us, it's about the legacy. Yeah. For us, it's about and, things outside of football. It's just like. Yeah, and be be the future GM of the Chicago Bears and the president, team president and stuff. Like, his his presence, his presence outside of football is just amazing. What Russell Wilson does at Seattle Children's Hospital and all that stuff with Alaska Airlines. He does a lot of different things. And if he came here, Luke, you're right. It would be a legacy and a step up. I want to stop you real quick, AJ. Back ahead, to man, Sid's question. Uh, your uncle, your uncle Sean Desai. What are yeah. your thoughts on him? You know, man, I, I I'm just I'm just uh, just holding hope, man. You know, I mean, it's something that is just really really concerning right now. I'm not concerned, but concerning in a nervous way. Um, you know, I don't really think that like he is Vic Fangio part two. I think he's he's. John Desai himself, and he's going to have his own ideologies on his defense. But I'll tell you one thing, Bears fans. Guy's not Chuck Pagano. He's aggressive. He's going to show blitz a lot. He's going to not drop our outside linebackers in coverage a lot unless if we really need to. Like if it's like a minute left in the game and we're up by eight and you need eight points and we need eight people to drop back, then that's the only time. But not randomly in the third quarter – you're going to see uh, Khalil Mack or Robert Quinn drop back. That's just not the way that he operates. He's going to use his offensive, like, not sorry, not offensive, his outside linebackers as pass rushers. He's going to make Robert Quinn actually put his hand into the dirt and play defensive end and push Bilal Nichols inside if we don't have Akeem Hicks. There's a lot of things that he's going to do. Um, like One time, I think one of my friends had said that your uncle, that he could like, come out in like a – a nice defensive look where he could stack one side with other guys and then flip it on the other side. Like he says, I, I saw, I saw a video of him. Like this is way, way back then when he was um, the defensive quality co- coach for the bears in his first year. Um, and he was close, closely working with Mel Tucker. And some of the things that Mel Tucker had in his defense, like the sacks that we got, that was all Sean's aside. All like the sacks that Pernell McPhee got, all of it. Like the development with Pernell McPhee, the development with, I don't know, like who who else did we have with Pernell McPhee? Like I jog my memory a little bit. Lamar uh, Houston. Lamar <laughs> Houston, you know, like he, he's the guy that came out and got the best out of these guys. It wasn't no Mel Tucker because you saw what Mel Tucker did and you see what Mel Tucker's doing right now in Michigan. He's horseshit, all right? Um, he – Mel Tucker, Mel Tucker had this guy, Sean, around him, and he helped him craft his defense with little to no talent, right? You remember when we got Jared Allen? When, um, when um, Phil Emery signed him? Look, look, at what, look at what our defensive coordinator did with that. Nothing. And then when we signed a guy like Lamar Houston, I think it was four years, 32 million or something like that. I think that was another Phil Emery sign that carried into Ryan Pace, right? It was, it was something that like we saw more – of a pass rush from. So I think, I think Luke, to answer your question, I think we're going to see a lot of different things, a lot of different looks that Chuck Pagano didn't give us this upcoming season. You're going to see a very, very mad defensive coordinator. Like this man, like 
obviously, like, you know, there's a history behind it and stuff with Salah getting hired in, in New York, with Sean getting hired near two minority coaches in the NFL at the Muslim and Indian level. They're going to be able to, like, you know, have all the keys to the jungle. But in, in, in Sean's way, he's going to have the keys to the defense. And with this guy, he's worked with Eddie Jackson, and we're going to see Eddie Jackson back in his primary spot. So what else? What else do we need? We just need a guy that could use his offense, oh, his outside linebackers, that can rush the passer, passer like hell over and over again. Like, I want to see Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack run over these tackles. Like, I really thought that his presser look was really good, too. So, I mean, he's expecting Eddie Goldman to be back, which Ryan Pace didn't give that answer, um, which is really yeah. cool. So, yeah, I think so. Uh, go ahead. So let's let's talk. You know, because I'm Bears sorry. fans, here's the reality of the situation: is everyone is concerned about the offensive line, and the O line could yeah. be so much better. But like, I ultimately think if Watson or Wilson come here, the O line's not going to be as big of a concern because I think we have to keep in mind is that in Houston there was only Larmy Tunsil and a whole bunch of other bums that were protecting Deshaun Watson, right? I mean, Bill again, wow. Bill O'Brien traded. Yeah, Bill O'Brien traded two first-round picks for um, Laramie Tunsil, right? And then you look at Seattle, what was the case there is that they never really invested in the offensive line. I think, dude, they only took one offensive tackle in the first round, and even that was the guy who was the right guard, right tackle for the Bears in 2020. It was Jermaine Infetti. But my whole thing with the Bears O-line is this, is that I don't think they're as bad as people make them out to be. I think that when we look at the offensive line, in 2020 let me give you guys some really interesting numbers here in the seven games that nick Foles started for the chicago bears they rushed for 100 yards zero times in that same seven game span they rushed for 50 plus yards just three times that is bad offensive line play that is just bad play calling that's just bad execution on every single level but go back and look at the stats from when Mitch Trubisky was the starter for nine games the offensive line was clicking especially during the second half of that season from Green Bay onwards granted they did lose like two or three games in that span because that's when they were going through the six-game losing streak. But my point is, is when you look at Chicago's offensive line, you have to realize that there are some really good pieces here, okay? Charles Leno Jr. is not going to go anywhere. I'm going to tell you that right now. Alex Bars, your boy from Notre Dame, provides some flexibility, because I know at Hallis Hall in training camp, they were trying him out at right guard and at right tackle. Mm -hmm. He played center and left guard at one point. James Mm -hmm. Daniels has a lot to prove going into a contract year. All right, Sam Mustafer, I think, is going to be a very good option for center moving forward. So ultimately for the Bears right now on the offensive line, they just have to figure out the right side, but they have the pieces. Cody White here can be like the guy who moves over to right guard, but Chicago has some solid pieces on OL. I just think that we haven't seen them be fully developed yet, which is why people are kind of blowing this offensive line thing out of proportion. Yeah, dude, I agree, man. This is this entire offensive line, like, you know, Charles Leno's not going to go anywhere. So, I mean, just take, take that out of your head. I mean, like the guy's on like one of the most reasonable left 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 tackle turn uh, contracts in the in the league right now. I think what is it, five years, forty million, something like that. Seventy two million, but he's making like ten or eleven yeah. million a year. Which again, yeah. when you look at when you go yeah. back and you look at the numbers on over the cap, right? 
what's the reality of the situation? If you want a top tier left tackle at this point, you're paying 16, 17, 18, 19 million dollars yeah. a year. David Bakhtiari makes 23 and a half million a year, I believe. Mm-hmm. So the same money that Bears fans want to invest into a premier left tackle is the same money that could be used to pay some guy by the name of Allen Robinson. And I know we'd all rather have a Rob back on a big deal in 2021 and well beyond and stick with Charles Leno Jr. Cause Leno wasn't that bad last season. If you go back and watch the tape, but my point is if you want a top tier left tackle, you're going to have to pay big money. And that means moving on from a guy like Allen Robinson. Yeah. I mean, I agree. You're going to have to give up one thing for another, but what do you think? Luke? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And my big thing is I think offensive line is, is very fixable. Um, I feel like every year is a handful of free agent offensive linemen who are probably above average that you can just get for free just because for whatever reason, you know, they don't fit their team scheme. Uh, you know, their team's trying to cut money, so they cut them, whatever. There's, I feel like every year there's always a handful of linemen you could add that or would be decent adds to your team. And uh, uh, what we were saying earlier, I mean, if you want to re- if you want to fix the offensive line, I would say majority of people, like you're not, most of the time you're not getting a Tristan Wirfs who's stepping in and starting right away. Like you got to draft a guy and, and develop him over a few years. So the Bears should start thinking soon about how they might want to replace Leno down the line, but you just got to do that through the draft. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's not a, it's and, not an overnight fix. And, and yeah. then you're paying a guy on a rookie deal too. It's just, yeah, if you, if you, like, like for example, if you guys like draft like, okay, like, here's a scenario what, what every Bears fans want, right? Cut Massey, cut Leno, right? And then what are you going to do? You're going to go out and get Christian Derrissaw at the 20th, 20th, 20th overall pick, and then what if he gets hurt? Ever thought about that? What could happen when when some, when a rookie has a season-ending injury? Remember Kevin White? Yeah. That shit hurts, all right? Like, I mean, it's not the same position, but when you look at it, when you, cut, when you just randomly cut people, right – Here's the thing I want to stress on. It's only going to take me a minute or so. That you can't just cut anyone that you see fit, right? Got to look at the contracts. The most important thing in the NFL is the contracts, all right? It's got to make sense. The cut's got to make sense. Like, for example, a Keen Hicks cut, the crime cut makes sense because the franchise is saving money. But cutting Charles Lennon and only saving $3.1 million this year, that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, you could you could just go into the season with him and then draft the left tackle in the third or fifth, fourth round and let him sit behind um, Leno and see see what we have from there. Just like Luke said, man, this is not this offensive line thing is not an overnight fix. You look at what Dallas did when Tony Romo was in was in town. That offensive line was a wall, dude. Um, you know, there's this uh, obviously Bears football is back. Cutting Hicks makes no sense. Then where are you going to get ten million from? Exactly. So, I mean, you can't just you can't. You know, right now the Bears are under ten million dollars. They're going to have to restructure a contract from somewhere to get some money. Otherwise, then you could just say Nick Foles in the same offensive line and just be like, oh, the Bears didn't get an offensive tackle. Well, that's probably why they couldn't get one because they couldn't restructure their contracts and cut someone to make that space. I, so. I think you say it hit the nail on the head earlier, though. I think the Bears honestly waited way too long to figure out their rotation. Like they did. once they put once they put Mustafer in there and started giving a Fetty less snaps and and the whole nine yards, like and they put bars in the right spot, like they started to click and they started to play really well. So I think they they're on to something there with that. Um, but I think they just first half of the year they took way too long to come to that conclusion. Which, like we said, it goes back to coaching. It's just it, it was everyone was saying it. they're just like 
put this put put some of these backups in like they they can ball yeah and that also goes back to the point that AJ and I have been hammering home since pretty much we started this podcast is the bears are always in org Remember, yeah, the Bears you, are. You said we were talking about that Colts game, and we were talking about this uh, Rashad Coward thing, and we called it from Week Five. Remember that? And people were calling us yeah. crazy. Like, oh, the Bears are five and two, five and three, five and four, five and five. And I was like, oh, where are these fans now at? I mean, go ahead, man. Here's the. Th- you guys know I have a big read on the bears, right? Better than like 99% of the people on bears Twitter, because I was saying this last off season in terms of just like Alex Barr showcased potential in the limited time that he got to play in 2019. Right. And I actually wanted him to be a starter heading into 2020, because again, Notre Dame offensive linemen are just very flexible at the next level. But my point is this, is that the bears are always an organization and people don't realize this is just like, They make um, moves a year too early or they make moves a year too late. That's just the reality of the situation. It's just like they're making a move a year too late here and the franchise is in desperation mode because they're trying to extend Allen Robinson, you know? And I think what will save Allen Robinson, honestly, is if you figure out a way to trade for Wilson or Watson. Personally, Allen Robinson is going to stay here in 2021 because they're going to franchise tag him. And the franchise tag is nothing special. It's nothing to celebrate. It's pretty much what it is. Is this is just a sad indictment on any, any of the 32 NFL franchises that could not come to an agreement with a player that they deem too valuable. And so the reality of the situation is that you're basically saying, Hey, we do not want to let you go because we love you too much and we value you. We're going to use the franchise tag to kick the can down the road and hopefully sign you to a long-term extension. That's the reality of the situation. But kind of looking at it here, you know, we've talked Russell Wilson. We've talked Bears offensive line. I mean, there's another quarterback that essentially has already been cut by the Washington football team, Alex Smith, right? He's 36 years old. I will say this. I am split on Alex Smith because 50% of me is like, you know what? The guy, yeah, he's got one leg, but he played some solid football with Nagy, right? During their years in Kansas City. And then the other half of me is like, okay, you are not going to invest, you know, into a quarterback room where you have Alex Smith and Nick Foles. But then who's going to be your third guy? Because if you bring in Alex Smith, right, your long-term solution is not on the roster. And this offseason needs to be about figuring out that long-term solution, right? But Luke, I'll go to you. What are your thoughts on Alex Smith? Yeah, uh, I mean, this is kind of a weird situation. I mean, the the Bears are not going to hedge their future on Alex Smith, right? So if they go with Alex Smith, I can almost say, I can almost guarantee you they're going down the route of, drafting a rookie if they if they want to sign Alex Smith, right? So there's that. I don't think they'll bring Alex Smith here and keep Foles here. That's not going to work. They're going to have to move Foles or, or do something in, in that regard. Um, and then my third thing is, if you bring in Alex Smith, you're probably not trading for Russ or Deshaun. However, I will say that I think if Russ gets traded, I think it's probably more a probability of having next year. So I, I think that window stays open, but I think – I think the Deshaun situation is going to go on too long for the Bears to kind of keep playing that game. Like, I think the Texans might take that into the season, and not the Bears aren't going to be willing to wait that long. So, um, I think Alex Smith is a possibility in Chicago. I just think they have to – they're going to have to do something with Foles, one. And two, I think if they bring in Smith, they're definitely drafting a rookie. 
Honestly, I would take Smith over Foles in this offense, and here's why. Because, again, Alex Smith with the Kansas City Chiefs was never an overly terrible quarterback, but he was also never the guy that could put this team over the top, right? Or the Kansas City Chiefs at that point over the top. I mean, there was one year where they started 1-5, and five and then they finished 11-5, and five, and Alex Smith was a quarterback. There was another year they started off 5-0, and oh, only to kind of limp to the finish line, but still make the playoffs. But my point is, is that Matt Nagy wants to run the Andy Reid offense here. He wants to run exactly copy for copy, right? What Andy Reid's running in Kansas City. And again, I think people also have to understand is that it took the Chiefs years and years and years to build up the offense that we see now. So if you get a guy like Alex Smith combined with some of the young talent that you believe that like Cole Komet can be the Travis Kelsey in this offense. Mooney can kind of be the Tyree Kill. David Montgomery can be your Kareem Hunt. I think that that is going to be the one piece that's going to allow you to continue to buy time to run the offense that you want, but then also groom your wrong young rookie quarterback, whoever it is going to be. That is my take on the situation. What do you think, AJ? Yeah. I mean, what you're going to have to do is like if you get Alex Smith, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Hey, I mean, I'm I'm against that whole thing, man. You're not gonna win any games with it. Like, what do you? How many games are you gonna win if you get Alex Smith? Five, seven. Like, it's just it doesn't just doesn't move the needle for me, man. Like, you know, not 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 shitting on Alex comeback comeback player of the year and stuff, man. Like, I don't know. I mean, like given like the the um. Uh, the relationship that he has with Matt Nagy, like when he was in Kansas City, I guess. I mean, maybe that's something, but like, you know, well, then what was the whole point of hiring guys like Bill Lazor and John DeFilippo? Like, I, I didn't, I never got that. Like, if your mind is set on getting Alex Smith, which I think it is for the Bears, I think actually they're going to surprise us and be like, oh, we got Alex Smith. It's not going to be Russell Wilson. Like, it just won't. I don't like. I, I won't believe it until I see it. If it's Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, but I could buy Alex Smith being here. But you're gonna have to find a way for Nick Foles to leave the Chicago Bears. I mean, got to give him off for a sixth or seventh round conditional pick, or send a pick with him to a different team that needs a quarterback. That was just a disaster in the making, man. We just made a move last year way too early. Didn't even like wait. Didn't even see who could be available. And we just we were the first team to move. Jacksonville made us a bunch of fools, to be honest. So, so I, what I, I'll say is this: I would, I, I would welcome, I would welcome Al Smith, but what's he going to do? That's the thing. What you said. What I'll say is this: regarding moving the needle is, and I truly believe this is that you're not moving the needle at the quarterback position this offseason unless you land Wilson or Watson, let's be honest. Because if you do draft a rookie, like let's just say Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Zach Wilson, right? Are you moving the needle? Yes, but you're moving the needle in a positive direction because one of those rookies coming into year one, right, is not going to be break out instantly again when you draft rookie quarterbacks we have to keep in mind is you're drafting them so that they're successful not just for one year but for like the next 15 to 20 years right so my point is is that whether you go with you know Foles or smith or rookie quarterback whatever the case may be the bears are not going to move the needle at quarterback this year new face 
Pacers are going to provide a fresh approach, but you're not really moving the needle with a rookie either. Let's be honest. The no, only way you're right. moving the needle is if you significantly upgrade with Wilson or Watson. But Luke, what do you think? No, I, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And I think, uh, like I said, I, I think if you get Alex Smith, you you have to move Foles and you have to bring in a rookie. And honestly, that, in all honesty, I think a rookie buys Nagy and pays more time. No matter we, whether we like to admit it or not, if Alex Smith came in here and he had a rookie sitting behind him and the Bears were mediocre again, I think they survived yet another season um, exactly. so they could possibly see the rookie through. Um, so that's, I, I mean, you're totally right. There's no needle mover available out there unless you get Watson or Wilson, which the chances of that happening are very slim. And to add on to that, you say it, it's just like, if you go out and get like, say, like, just like Luke said, if you get Alex Smith and a rookie, it just buys, um, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy brand new four year extensions. And you already know that Duttering Fool um, George McCaskey is going to give those extensions out. He's not going to fire these two because these are the two smartest people that the Bears have ever hired since Dick Buckles. So that's the thing. Like, I mean, like, yeah, you hired Lovey, but Lovey had to go. He didn't really do stuff. And, like, he didn't really win that much after that, after those things. Like, you know, it was, a, it was a really long time that, like, the Bears couldn't find any winning. But, like, what are we doing right now? We're keeping the same people, but now this is going to become, like, the Lovey thing, the Lovey – um. The love what, three playoff yeah, three playoff appearances in nine seasons, and then we fire him after a ten and six season only to hire some bum from the Canadian Football League over a guy that just won the Super Bowl in Bruce Arians that was actually staying at a hotel like two or three miles from Hallis Hall when he was expecting to get the job, and then the bum that we hire is actually like third or fourth on the new GM's list yeah definitely that's gonna happen dude i'm telling you i just have a feeling that you're either gonna go ahead and you fire pace and Nagy in 2022 or you go ahead right yeah or you keep them and i think people have to like people don't understand the implications of making the playoffs in 2021 and how bad it was because like that's the reason that pace and Nagy are back let's be honest i mean the bears have been so bad over the last 25 30 years how many winning seasons have they had any beat reporter will tell you like oh they haven't had many winning seasons that i've had the opportunity to cover right i have no i i I screenshot of it so the bears in the last 22 years have made the playoffs six times have two playoff wins and only one two three four five winning seasons Whatever. But anyway, speaking of quarterbacks, right, guys, we're kind of at like this 45-minute mark here, right? But here's what we're going to do for this episode. We're going to start our free agency previews next week for the quarterback position because it's going to be a loaded offseason for QBs with the big five coming in in the NFL. Let's get you on here to talk 2021 NFL QBs. Who are your top five men, and why do you have them ranked the way that you do? Get it. Say it again. Wait, are you asking me the uh, top five QBs in free agency, or what are you asking? NFL draft. So, who are your top five in NFL draft month? Oh, NFL draft month. Yeah. So, one, I'm definitely going Trevor Lawrence. I think that's clear cut. I think he's just he's a beast. I mean, people might argue Justin Fields has more kind of athletic upside, but I think, I mean, you just can't overlook the guy what he did in college and just how good his mechanics are and his arm is just phenomenal. I think um, two, this, this is getting tough for me. Cause I think the more that Zach Wilson kind of came along this season, um, I mean, AJ, I'll, I'll go to you first. I mean, number one, are you going with Lawrence as well? 
Oh, absolutely. That guy's generation as it gets. I mean, he's drawing Andrew Luck comparisons when he was coming out of Stanford. So, I mean, there's not many quarterbacks that I compared to uh, to Andrew Luck when he was coming out of Stanford back in 2012. I mean, Trevor Lawrence has got it all. I mean, who's picking first? Jacksonville, right? Yeah, so Jacksonville doesn't pick Trevor Lawrence. They're kind of fucked. Like, they need to pick him. Yeah. Like, if, if, if they hired Urban Mayor just to go get Justin Fields at number one overall, they're stupid. They're fucking stupid. Nothing shocks me anymore. I mean, you say, what do, what do you think? You, you like Lawrence number one? Yeah, I like Lawrence number one. Because, again, he's the most talented quarterback prospect that we've seen coming out of the NFL draft. And, honestly, I want to say since – kind of want to say since Deshaun Watson, right? But then also I think that um, the QB2 debate is certainly interesting because I've said this on my other podcast, Picks for Pace with the Bear Report, where we talk college football and NFL draft from a Chicago Bears perspective. Go check that one out too. I've said that I would take Justin Fields over Zach Wilson at QB2 simply because I believe that Fields has played at a much higher level competition and fields had the 51 touchdowns in 2019 and i think that certain circumstances regarding fields season in 2020 you know with the shortened season and whatnot i mean let's be real he did not get a full you know 14 15 games to really showcase what he could do and there were struggles against northwestern and indiana but he did show up in the big games like he outdueled trevor lawrence at clemson right yeah he struggled in the college football championship game but like let's be honest i mean that game was more alabama versus ohio state alabama. it was not oh right you know alabama's going to punch even the best prospects in the mouth so like i have fields at qb2 but who do you guys have at qb2 look you can go ahead and then i'll go i mean i i really like fields i think I think the gap is close. I mean, some people even like Wilson at two. I'm going Fields, but I think the gap is closer than people think. I I am going Fields just because I think the athletic upside alone kind of saves him. Like, I think if, for whatever reason, if he didn't pan out as a passer, like, the guy's just a tremendous athlete. He reminds me of Cam. He reminds me of Cam, honestly. He reminds me of Cam coming out. I think he's that kind of dynamic player. Um, I mean, when he's running, you you cannot bring him down easily, and you have to account for that in the NFL. Like even we saw it with Mitch, like not the greatest passer, but you had to account for his legs when he ran, yeah. and then he yeah. just stopped running eventually, and it didn't matter. But so what I'll say is this regarding Fields' athletic profile before we let AJ go here, and I firmly believe this when I watch Justin Fields' film. I honestly, you know, what's freaking scary is you're right. Justin Fields is essentially Cam Newton light, but I firmly believe that if Fields adds like seven more pounds right because he's like 225 230 i think he's like 222 25 right now i think dude if he gets up if he gets up to 230 right and adds like seven pounds of muscle like that is going to be a true freak of nature that you're going to have to deal with because i look at fields and i'm like yo he's not realized in terms of his athleticism and whatnot and his profile he has not fully realized that potential that he has yet either right i, I honestly think a lot of fields though, i think it will you could say this about any QB, but I think Fields, more than a lot of other prospects, his NFL future will be dictated by what team he goes to and how they build around him. I think you have to build a specific type of offense around that guy. I don't think you can just plug and play him in any offense. Yeah, I well, mean, like, oh, my bad, my bad, go ahead. Well, so, it, no, AJ, go ahead, and then I'll chime in with my, you know, Fields 
offensive system type thing or question yeah, for sure. So what I got, what I have is I, I definitely have Justin Fields at two. Um, I think definitely, I, I agree with Luke. I think the gap is a lot shorter than people think it between uh, Zach Wilson and um, Justin Fields. And then the fourth guy that I have is Trey Lance. But when you look at the three and four, those easily can swap. I think Trey Lance is a hell of an athlete, man. This guy, his freshman year, I mean, like, yeah, he might show like Johnny Menzel vibes, but like when you when you when you look at the tape side by side of Johnny Menzel when he was at Texas A and M and Trey Lance when he's when he's at North Dakota State, it's completely different. Like Johnny Menzel was just throwing up prayers and they would be caught and it would be tough. Like Texas A and M with Kevin Sullivan was one of the best teams, and they they ran they, they just couldn't beat one team, Alabama. That's it. Um, then on this side, you have Trey Lance, who's more than just a one read QB. He's learning his projection, um, um, progressions in already his freshman year and he's training in the off season. Now I think he opted out for the spring ball season with North Dakota, but if he's working out and he's working on his mechanics to like, you know, get a couple of wide receivers and work on his progressions in his off season. And during the season when he's opted out and getting ready for the NFL draft, I mean, I wouldn't be like I wouldn't be mad with either Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Zach Wilson being my two, three, and four, or Justin Wilson, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance being my two, three, and four too. I mean, for me, yeah, the gap is shorter between Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, dude. But the other way around, if you look at Trey Lance and Zach Wilson, it is super a tiny, tinsy, tiny bit close, man. Like those two quarterbacks, I think one can be Josh Allen and one can be Russell Wilson. Dead ass. Like this, this, this. If you want a quarterback, and if you don't get one, now is the time to go trade up. You can't afford to go wait for Keaton Slovis and <laughs> what's that guy in North Carolina? Fuck, Josh Howell, Sam Howell, Sam Howell, Sam so, Howell. Yeah, yeah. You can't afford to wait for those quarterbacks. So if you don't end up with the guy like Russell Wilson, and if you think putting Alex Smith on this band aid on this boo boo is going to solve it. Nah, man, it's not going to work. You know, I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like crapping on your idea. You said, I think Alex Smith would be a great signing based on, you know, Matt Nagy being the coach here and all of that and his history with it. But for me, a rookie is not going to move the needle. It's just going to help me think that, like, all right, all right, we got Nick Foles right now, but the future is just among us. I mean, yeah, it's going to buy time for the GM and, GM and head coach too, but I mean it is Nagy's pick, so I mean he might stay. I think Pace might go walk, but I don't know. I mean, but like that's my list. I got Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, two, three, and four. Obviously, Mac Jones at five. I mean, would you guys take Mac Jones at twentieth overall? I, I know, personally sure. would not. Dude, if he was so I did pro- and you didn't have to trade up for him. I would say yes, but I don't think that'll be the case. So. See, I see, dude, the comparisons for Mac Jones are all over the place just because the reality of the situation is that it's like, I see, so I had Mark Schofield on one of my pods back in December, and it wasn't this one, by the way, but Schofield's like, yo, he's doing a hell of a lot of Joe Burrow type things, right? But then I also see some people comparing him to Tom Brady because I'm pretty sure Tua said the other day that Mac Jones has better mobility than Tom Brady. So I... And, you know, Mac Jones would not be a terrible fit in this offense. 
but he's not going to be the guy that's going to put you over the top ever. I mean, let's be real. This guy, this is a guy that did have Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith in his final season at Alabama. And I understand the argument of, oh, well, Mac Jones is only a product of the talent around him. That argument went out the window back in the last week of January. So it's been like six, seven weeks now when Jones was at the senior bowl, but he just doesn't get the job done for me. I would say if Max there, when the bears are picking in the second round, then yeah, you go ahead and you pull the trigger on him because again, you know, a second round pick to me, especially for quarterback, isn't really a super high investment. I mean, and let's be freaking real. I would rather take Mac Jones in the second round than I'd ever have the rest of these bums like Kyle Trask or, you know, Felipe Franks or like Jamie Newman, you know? I don't think it's happening though. I from from just some of the inside the NFL community, I don't know if they're pumping up draft stock or trying to pull the smoke screen, but a lot of people are saying this Matt Jones guy is gonna go top fifteen. They're saying all five QBs will get top fifteen. I, I don't think there's any way any of them fall out of the first round, to be honest with you. Dude, honestly, Luke, that like, dude, what? Like you're, you're talking about a quarterback every three picks. Like you're telling me I, Matt Jones picked at fourteen? Damn, what what are these franchises thinking at this point? Like I, I get it for the first four quarterbacks, but you're really you're willing to reach that high for Matt Jones? Like that's, Dude, if he fell to the Patriots, I could see him totally. I can see, I, I can see the Patriots, but that's it. No other team. Well, like, but didn't pick. hold on, hold on, hold on. Didn't wasn't Josh Allen over drafted four years ago? Yeah. So my point, and I've long been saying this, is listen, if you're a team, how many opportunities do you get to draft a franchise quarterback? Because it's like if you hit on franchise QB, right, you get one opportunity. But my bigger question is more so like one opportunity, what, every freaking 15, 20 years? Hmm? So my point, and there's been teams like the Jags, for example. I mean, they went through this with Blaine Gabbert. They went through this with freaking Blake Bortles, both three years apart. None of those guys panned out. And Gabbert was, what, 10 years ago in 2011? And now 10 years later, they're picking again in the top 10. You have to consistently suck, but also the Jags can't, like, get anything right, you know? Mm -hmm. But my point is, is that it's like you can build your roster up and have everything but the quarterback, right? And then not having the quarterback sets you back four to five years. Kind of like how the Bears are trending now, unless they trade for Wilson or Watson but my point is is that if you're a team that has an opportunity to draft a quarterback because you believe that that guy is your guy and I understand I'm sounding like Ryan Pace here you go make the move regardless because at the end of the day if you don't make that move you know what someone else will and this I will give Pace credit for did he select the right guy in 2017 we know now absolutely not but in the moment, it was viewed as the right move because it's just like, what the hell were you going to do? You know, were you going to pass on Trubisky, Watson, and Mahomes, and then have to battle out for one of the big five that came out in 2018? Were you going to do that? Were you going to wait for like Jones and Haskins in 2019? Like, what were you going to do? So my point is, is that these guys saying, oh, some of these guys are going to be overdrafted. Yeah. You may not get the ideal value, but you're talking QB here. And if you hit on that pick once, then you're set for the next two decades. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, I don't, I don't think like Matt Jones is like some kind of transcendent talent, but I think with on a good team within the confines of a good offense, like I think he could totally operate a hundred percent. And and that well, is worth a first round pick, I think. Who's your pro com for Mac Jones, dude? I mean, who'd your pro com for Mac Jones be? I said this before, and I 
be honest. Lot, okay. I, well, what I was saying before is earlier, like watching him in the bowl game. A lot of what he does is very pretty, like like his decision making and his ability to get the ball out quick and across the middle is tremendous. Like it is so good. It's top tier. And his yeah. deep ball is great touch. But does he have the strongest arm? I would say no. Like he doesn't throw with a ton of velocity. But he has great touch and he's a great like rhythm passer across the middle. Like it's I think very, you know, I think it's really hard to Yeah, and I think that. that's and I think that's one of the things that people don't understand about this Bears offense. It's not just about like consistently being able to hit the deep ball as well. Is guys in stride, right? You have to hit guys just with timing and rhythm and accuracy too. And I think that Mac Jones, you know, he does bring all those things from that perspective. But it's just like the arm strength worries me because his arm's good enough to get by in September and October, but November and December, and especially January. It's a totally different story. 100%. I mean, going back to the presser today, you know, what what were the three things Nagy said he likes in his QB, right? He said he likes decision-making, athleticism, and leadership. Yeah, Mitch doesn't and have three at all. To me, all three of those are embodied by Trey Lance. I yeah. think Trey Lance is the perfect Bears target in this draft because, one, I think you could acquire him by moving up possibly 10 spots as opposed mm-hmm. to almost – within the top three or four, so you're not giving up as much draft capital. Mm-hmm. And I think he checks all those boxes. You know, you look at the decision-making. The guy threw zero interceptions as a true freshman at North Dakota State. His decision-making is is great. And, and, you see and he's Lewis, looking past the first read, too. You, you see what Lewis Riddick said about him the other day, and they said, Trey Lance, the student of the game, is just as good as Trey Lance, the athlete, which is crazy to think about because Trey Lance, the athlete, is top tier. And that that's another guy, like, you know, athleticism check decision-making check. He was a leader as a freshman there. Check, check, check. He didn't perform very well in that one game um, versus Arkansas State or whoever the hell they played in their one showcase game. But even at the end of it, he still ran for 150 yards. Like, he's a true dual threat. Like, if his passes aren't dropping, he'll, he'll beat you his legs. He's just a baller. Yeah, Trey Lance is enticing too, but I think my biggest thing with Trey Lance is that the guy is what, like, and it's hard to get a gauge on this because quarterbacks just develop at different rates depending on the situations that they're in. But I would say with Trey Lance, like he's probably going to be a true two-year project and he's going to take that true step in year three and become a true franchise quarterback. And for me personally, like I kind of don't want to give Pace and Nagy, and I don't even think Pace and Nagy have the luxury of waiting two to three seasons for a guy to develop. They don't. I mean, like, like, I mean, like, if, like, if they like back to the whole situation, they draft the guy, of course, they're going to have their time, like, with one or two years, so they'll, they'll be hired up. It's just like they'll have the time, but they won't have the luxury because, based on like all the scrutiny they have to face against, you know, drafting Mitch, signing Mike Lennon, signing Robert Quinn, signing Jimmy Graham, all those signings that he's done in his tenure add up. So, you're going to have these fans be like, okay, wait a second, man. We don't want you picking the quarterback because what you did with Mitch. Let Nagy go pick his quarterback. And if it does turn out like what Luke said, like the leadership checks out, the the not the play on the field checks out, but as a person checks out, on the play it checks out. Everything checks out for me for Trey Lance. If we pick one of these three guys, I'm good with it. Just because I know the future is secure for the Bears, but it's not guaranteed. Like we have a plan but we just need to put it in place by letting our quarterback sit 17 games next year. 
Not a single one. Like, I know we're in a window for competition. And if, if Nick Foles, who are whoever the quarterback is, that whoever we sign, if, if, if one of those two suck completely, or both of them suck, that's when you're like, all right, now is the time to put in our rookie. But you have to realize that you have to play the game to his strengths. We saw what Matt, uh, Matt Nagy did with Mitch Trubisky. Granted, Mitch Trubisky is nowhere near Trey Lance, right? In terms of athleticism, in terms like I mean, yeah, he could run, but like Nagy took it away from him. I guess I don't know. I'm I'm no expert expert of Chicago Bears, but um, you saw it like him taking an athletic quarterback. I mean, don't get me wrong, Mitch is an athletic quarterback. He's not he's he's not a guy that's that that sucks or anything. It's just like he didn't. He took some time for him to, I think, like get the game right i mean like he's gone through what this is his third offensive coordinator in his short four four-year career right he had dow loggins he had uh mark helfrick no at mark helfrick right and now he has Ryan bill laser as his offensive coordinator so the man's learning a conservative offense then going to matt Nagy's offense then going to an adjustment period and then going to another adjustment period to another offensive coordinator Maybe that's what messed up Mitch's development over a couple years. But and, and you know who else they did that? You know who else the Bears did that to? Some guy by the name of Jay Cutler. Yep. And I've said yep. this since 2018. When so look at the Saints, for example, right? They who did they have? They have Sean Payton, they have Pete Carmichael as the mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, and they have Drew Brees. The yep. point is it takes continuity mm-hmm. for quarterbacks to be able to reach their full potential in this league. And the Bears have never had continuity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But we're at the one hour mark here. I mean, let's begin to wrap up, right? So, yeah. like for let's talk about ideal picks in the first round, dude, at QB. Yeah. I mean, personally, dude. I want Justin Fields all the way, okay? And I think that some of the issues with stuff like his processing, that's more of a product of Ohio State's offense than it is of Fields' inability to kind of get the ball out. The guy has a um, background as a shortstop because he played baseball, so he'll be fine with regards to just getting the ball out and being super accurate. But give me Justin Fields in round one, even if you have to trade a 2022 first-round pick for him. AJ, what do you think? Uh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, like Luke will go after me here in a second, but um, you know, if if it came down, like obviously Trevor Lawrence is not going to be there for us. I mean, if he is, then whoa. But we've seen crazier things in the draft. But barring he's not available, you have Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. If one of those come up in the lap, just pick one, and I'll be happy. You don't have to go do something crazy or anything like that. Try to go get somebody else. You know, but you know what would really disappoint me if we drafted Mac Jones when we traded up, or Kyle Trask. If this team thinks that like, oh, eh, project or anything like that, let's go go get that guy. No, go get one of these three guys: Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. If you don't, then you're just fucked because. You need a quarterback, man. I mean, like, uh, I mean, like, like, for like the future, right? For uh, for to draft one, right? So, give me Justin Fields. Give me Justin Fields or one of those three. I don't really care. Just give me one of them. Like, I'm sick and tired of sick QB play. Like, I need I need a good QB in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I just talked about the guy. I'm I'm sticking with Trey Lance. I just think from the Bears' perspective, I think he's probably the most realistic option of trading up. He kind of gives you that balance of trading up for the QB you want and fits your offense. But 
without giving up, you know, maybe three first round picks. You might have to give up possibly one and some mid rounds or two to go up and get him. Um, you can keep that third one. Um, I just think a lot of what he does, like the offense that North Dakota State runs is very pro style. You know, they run multiple tight ends, which the Bears love to do with Graham mm-hmm. and Kmet. And we're going to keep seeing that going forward. And they love building off their play action run game, which is something we've seen Maggie try to establish forever. And I think if you can establish that with Trey Lance, you're onto something. And I think kind of if you bring in Alex Smith, that's the perfect mentor for a guy like that. So I'm sticking with him. I think he kind of checks all boxes. It just depends if you want to give him two years, which means you're also giving Nagy two more years. Yeah. If Nagy gets a second quarterback, it, no, well, I mean, honestly, guys, this is technically Nagy's quarterback. Nick Foles, I mean, come on. You're really going to sit here and convince me to believe that it, that, that was his pick? Dude, no, it wasn't. That, All right, that's, that my, was- that's my thing, AJ. Like, you can say what you want about the guy, but he did. He got the short end of the stick when it came yeah, to exactly. I mean, Na- Nagy was throwing Nick Foles and be like, yo, go, 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 go throw a cupcake at the door and see if it sticks. And it fell right off. Like, come on, man. Come on. Like I mean, you're Ryan Pace, you were ten. You were a director of player personnel for ten years, and you gave and and then like he was his, it was his fourth year last year, or fifth year last year as a GM, and you gave your head coach that you put on all of your chips in Nick Foles. Like come on, man. Like you're smarter than that. You knew that the offensive line is nowhere near as comparable to the Super Bowl winning offensive line for Philadelphia. That defense was better than ours. In 2018, it was it was averaging. They were, they were allowing less than 14 points a game, dude. That that was such a complete team that Nick Foles just like, just rolled on the coattails for after Carson Wentz got hurt. So the whoa, beer- whoa, ho- hold on, hold on. Let, let, let me add this, and I think people want to blame Pace for the um for trading for Nick Foles, but can we be honest about something? Didn't Matt Nagy hire John D. Filippo and Bill Lazor, guys that had worked with Nick Foles no, yeah, in the yeah, past as yeah, well? No, seen, so uh, uh, yeah, I totally understand. Yeah. But I'm just pointing that out in the sense that Nick Foles landed here last offseason, partly because Matt Nagy had a say, right, mm-hmm. in the QB. And so the reality of the situation for the Bears is just like you can't really blame one guy for the team landing Nick Foles. Kind right. of have to blame the head coach and GM the most. Right. Yeah, yeah it's a collect- yeah, it's it's like collective effort. Yeah. So, coming out of the draft, the drafted player is just much different than what kind of garbage veterans you can pick up. Like, yeah. Obviously, if they're available veterans, they're more than likely not going to help your team do much i mean they might give you like a letter veteran leadership and and let's be honest i think i think nick Foles did push trubisky to the point where trubisky got benched he came back motivated like trubisky i think played a lot better after he got benched yeah but that's also because idiot Nagy ran two different offenses last year i mean let's be honest dude when they were running it with nick Foles, right they had the highest run to pass ratio in the nfl but when they were running it with trubisky it was just so much more balanced okay it was more so of an offense that emphasized the running game and just individual player productivity and maximizing talent and then you add on to the fact that you were getting trubisky out there out of the pocket on these design rollouts using his legs more and it's around that time that the same controversy started to happen of, hey, would the Bears really have had a six-game losing streak had the Bears not benched Mitch Trubisky? And so this is going to factor into the reason I bring the scheme fit up, right, and the two different offenses is because whoever they draft at quarterback or whoever they bring in via trade is going to play a role into what kind of schemes that they run next year. Let's just be honest about it. Right. 
But do you think that kind of plays into my point of why they made it like Lance? Because he's already running a similar kind of play action double end yeah. scheme versus like if you bring in Justin Field, do you really think Matt do you trust Matt Nagy to kind of adapt a spread like offense for him? I don't. I don't know. I mean, this is the same guy who hired Mike Mark Helfrich because he was gonna help instill some concepts of the spread offense. See, it's hard for me to trust Nagy at all, dude. Yeah. And AJ knows like I just don't like, you know, Matt Nagy. I think that, and the whole concept of, well, he's the next Sean Payton. Look, Sean Payton's where he's at because um, Sean Payton actually had a freaking quarterback and the Saints know what the hell they're doing. The Bears right now, they kind of don't know what the hell they're doing, but I had a quarter. You saw what they did with Taysom Hill last year. They won five in a row with Taysom Hill. Like that's, that's the difference between Sean Payton and Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy can't win five in a row with Tyler Bray. No way in hell he can, but, (laughs) but, like Sean Payton with the running QB, he did. Like this guy with the running QB, granted it was Denver, put up 41 points on them with a backup quarterback that just runs. Like that's Sean Payton. Like he just brings the best out of his players. But go on, you said. I mean, man, I just hate the Bears so much. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, we've got a, a toxic relationship going here between the Bears, myself, and AJ. All right, we're going to consistently say fuck this team at least once a day. I have no idea why. We're going to continue saying it until uh, Ciara Wilson is living in Chicago with Russ or even, you know, Deshaun Watson. But here's the deal. All right, I'm super tired. AJ, super tired. Luke has work at 4.30 in the morning, and he's on the East Coast. So thanks for tuning in. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at barely underscore pod. All right, uh, follow AJ on Twitter at AJ decide for follow luke on twitter at at lberry underscore 40 follow me on facebook twitter tiktok and instagram at usaid kosher we're gonna be back next week guys talking free agency and some more quarterback rumors just because it's every single week there's a new quarterback that's linked to the bears next week it's gonna be kyle trust because word is gonna leak the bears like zoomed zoom called with him or something but peace out y'all have a great week we will see you guys next week